Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. If there was ever a week to talk the markets, it's this one. What a crazy ride we had all week. Ended up on a definite high note on the cattle side. An interesting trade on the grain complex. And we're going to dive into all what happened, including that USDA report, when we come back with more on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Welcome back. As you can see, we've got the guys from Tradeoffs joining us as PJ and John are going to dive into what's happening in this market trade. And in the intro, I kind of talked about the fact that it was an interesting type of week. And I wanted to start out with the fact that we saw contract highs happen in this feeder cattle market. And as we look at what happened, uh, PJ, we're going to start off with you looking at these feeder cattle and the way they traded on a Friday, a good way to end a note. Uh, yeah, great way in the in the week here. You know, we were down this morning, what, buck, buck and a half, and then uh, traded up, what, 490 on the August contract there. There is a gap looking back at the August here, roughly to, what, 35-ish. So we'll see if we try to go back and fill that. But you want to talk about as unresilient as the corn market has been this trading week. The cattle, both fats and feeders, have been resilient. We got, you know, uh, August fats also knocking down, eyeing down some contract highs and all-time highs as well. So good day to be a cattle feeder. Uh, if you're not uh, maybe growing a uh, row crops, you got corn down 30 and your fats up too. And I guess expensive re, uh, replacements at up almost five bucks on the feeders too. Well, having said that, I mean, obviously this market has to be reacting to the ebb and flow that we continue to see in the grain complex. For this feeder market, is this something we can hold on to? Or are we going to have to see a step back come next week? I think like anything, you don't just go straight up. Uh, we try to in every market, but we always falter. Even the last time we saw feeders make the big run, we went from 162 up to what, 175, fell back to the 170 type level. Now we're back at the 175, 177. So I guess a retraction, if you actually look at the, say, technical momentum of the market, it would argue we have more room to run before we see that pullback. So maybe settle in, see where the next uh, 7 to 14 days land you. But have a plan and have a thought of how you want to either hedge those off or get them moved on down to the barns. There's some great uh, profitable aspects of this that if you don't take advantage of, you can wake up, whether that be <clears throat> LRP insurance or hedging it or actually physically selling them. There's a lot of ways to protect your value because you do have a lot of good profit here. What about for the live cattle? I mean, nice numbers for them as well on a Friday. Great numbers for them as well. What up another 240? I mean, I think, again, you go back to all that. We just got to say, how are you going to protect yourself? I mean, we've been in a big chop up until the last two and a half months. And we've really seen it blown up. So you want to take advantage of it, no doubt, because it seems like obviously cattle have that 24-month buffer, maybe necessarily to grains. Uh, so could you see higher prices? We definitely could. But how are, you have a time frame on them, and eventually you're going to have to move them. So find that number and find that profitability level and move forward with it and not try to outguess where this market's going. You can always reown something on the board of trade, not saying it's a good or bad thing. But you do it responsibly and do it in conjunction with your marketing plan and, and you're going to be all right. 
All right, John, what about for you? As you look at the way these livestock have traded today, did you see, or just in a week in general, any surprises that popped out for you? On livestock or grains? On livestock, first off. Oh, I mean, I'll be honest, that's really not my uh, not my forte, but um, right. so I'll let, I'll let PJ handle. I'm going to defer to PJ on that. <laughs> okay, well then let's just switch gears and look at the grains. Um, we had a big USDA report that came out on Friday. What's your spin on that? Um, no spin. It's been a wild um, last seven to eight trading days, uh, to say the least. And then I would just put together this meaningless stat for everybody real quick. Uh, the bean market, right? You know, we just saw the it finished up 75 or excuse me, 70 November beans finished up 76 cents. Uh, They're up as high as much as 85 cents today. But from June 1st to today, in the first 10 trading days, we had a $2.32 range from 11.44 to in that first run up to 13.76 was the high. Then in six trading days, we were down a buck 16 back to 12.60, and then in the last two days, we're up 91 cents from 12.60 to 13.51 was the hot. Or actually today, today only, the the range was 91 cents for a total range of the month from the low point to the high back down and back up is $4.39 this bean market has changed in um, you know roughly 18 19 trading days so so lots lots of volatility and you know when the market starts going up and everybody's talking drought and everything and you know you know as consultants we suggest you know taking advantage of of markets that are straight up like the corn and the bean market you know were there a week or so ago you know, guys, they do, you know, they're looking at their crop. It's not looking that good. They're hearing that, you know, Illinois is dry and this and that. And then it's hard to make those sales or, or buy a put or do something. But then you can see what can violently happen in the last few days. And then and you couple that with a report that was a massive surprise. You know, where we have 2.2 million more acres of corn than the March intentions report. And we had 4 million acres less beans. So that's a massive shift of acres. I don't think we've seen, PJ, what's the stat on that? We haven't seen a shift that large since, I don't know. I wanna say it was what, since uh, the last 38 years or 28 years, uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I saw someone in our office put it out, but that's a, uh, since 1944, uh, corn, sorry. Corn acreage at 94.1 wow. is the third largest since 1944. Um, and that's the biggest shift the USDA has made, I believe, at least on soybean acres since 1983. So, so let me let me lob this at you guys real quick before we dive in any more to this. How much of this jump and this change is because it's dryland corn we didn't count on back in March? Love you. Uh, I'll go quick here if you look at where some of the acres came from is what illinois was one of the bigger jumps to, to me that's surprising i guess i don't how much do they come out of rotation and i might be speaking in my just mindset not actually statistics but if you look at where we were pre-intentions report price wise was a lot more profitable for corn versus post-intentions report uh beans not saying they were more profitable but they were in a better spot financially than what corn was. And so to see that bigger shift is wild to me and you can believe it or you cannot believe it, but that's what we're going to trade. And then we can debate about what those acres actually are and what the yield actually is from here. Yep. What that's, are your thoughts, John? The same thing. I, one of the stats that stood out to me and I actually, um, Matt in our office is, does a great job of putting together statistics like this, um, that the biggest jump in acres from last year, that was a year over year increase, right? PJ, the, the North Dakota, 
which yeah. I believe they had a lot of p prevent plant last year, right? Um, yeah. As well. So, so it's probably skewed. There's 950,000 more acres of corn in North Dakota uh, last year or this year to last year. So, you know, so you see that and you see Illinois and you see these big, massive jumps. Um, but it doesn't surprise me, though. To, I mean, it, the numbers overall surprises me or the, or the fact the USDA maybe did that large of a shift. But what doesn't surprise me is that like, I've been in this industry for almost 20 years and I grew up on a farm. And one thing I've noticed is that in areas, if you can go corn on corn and the weather is favorable, uh, you know, the spring is favorable planting, you know, if it's dry and, and they can go, then guys will, they prefer to plant corn. You know, it's easier to handle, you know, and like PJ said, the, the profitability was clearly in corn, you know, all through the, the early, you know, I mean, going all the way back to November, December, you know, time frame, and then in the seasonal time frame of February, basically up until pretty recently. And I would still argue that up until today, you know, corn was probably still neutral to maybe a slight winter over beans. But now that could change drastically, you know, for guys that, you know, don't do anything, you know, only post-harvest market, you know, they might have a little bit of nervousness now if they're pretty heavy on corn, but we'll see. So, PJ or John, what happened in this wheat market? Because we've heard for so long how horrible this wheat crop is. And then I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers, and all wheat planted was up 9% from last year. Well, I was going to say on, on wheat, you know, um, as far as wheat planted or... or mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, price probably had a lot to do with that. You know, like, you know, after the Ukrainian invasion and everything last year, price was higher. A lot of fall wheat got planted or winter wheat, excuse me, got planted. And uh, now granted the, the Ural's neck of the woods, you know, west of the Mississippi. Yeah, that's a terrible crop. You know, it, it got beat up really bad drought. It's terrible. You know, on the east side of the Mississippi over here, our North Alabama crop is really good. Granted, our acres aren't, you know, that big, but you go Georgia, South Carolina, and then you move on north up into, you know, Southern Indiana, Southern Ohio, there's a pretty big soft wheat crop over here. And, you know, overall world wheat stocks, are fairly burdensome. Now they did lower, uh, I think the uh, the stocks for June 1st down a little bit, lower than trade expectations. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we weren't selling any before the price run up last week, price ran up, we sure as hell aren't gonna sell it then, you know, as far as exports, when I say sell it, not gonna sell it then, price ran right back down. And, and that's the big problem right now, I think is it's also burdensome, is even though prices have come down or we're not up over $6 corn, you know, we're still overpriced in the world market with the big South American crop. So it's either going to take a change in the dollar or logistics in South America are just going to get have to get tapped out. And they can't buy any more from there. And then we can maybe start shipping. But also this price correction here, as much as it may suck right now, the feeling in your stomach, it may be a good thing. It gets cheap for a little bit so we can get our exports back where they need to be to hit those USDA numbers so that maybe we will have a tighter carryout because that's what right, we're right. doing. PJ, before we wrap up, I want to kind of ask, what are your thoughts as we get ready for Monday's trade, which then will be off for a day for the 4th of July? Uh, kind of parting thoughts on the whole thing is get through Monday, get through the 4th of July, see where the chips land. But overall, uh, you can disagree, agree with the numbers, whatever you want to go with. We're going to go back to looking at some weather things. And at the end of the day, like John said, we're going to ebbs and flows. And maybe this makes us more uh, competitive worldwide for exports. But you got to take advantage of the opportunities even now moving forward and not get paralyzed in the fact that we're off $1.20 in the last like six trading sessions. Well, lots of great stuff, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. If I don't talk to you before, have a great 4th of July holiday. You do America.
Exactly. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss. It's not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.